0: Imagine being in your own personal hell, constantly in pain and unable to ignore it or escape from it. Imagine that even on your good days, your body feels like it's been hit by a train or like you've been exercising 24-7 for three weeks. And on top of that, imagine you're telling people about all that pain and they tell you you must be imagining it. Sounds terrifying, right? Right welcome to our episode on chronic pain. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Think Twice. It's me again. For those who don't know me, my name is Ev and I am your host for this season of Think Twice. I'm a PhD student in neurosciences at Queen's University and my research focuses on the usage of gene therapy in central nervous system disorders. Today I'm talking with Shima. Can you
1: tell us a little bit about yourself, Shima? Hello, listeners of the Think Twice podcast. My name is Shima, and I'm currently a PhD student at Queen's University. My research is focused on studying nociceptive pain processing and central sensitization in fibromyalgia. In the Stroman lab, we use neuroimaging methods uh, to investigate the connectivity of brain regions that play a crucial role in pain processing.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. Welcome to the podcast. Along with some other amazing grad students, we put together a podcast series as part of an outreach program with the Center for Neuroscience Studies at Queen's University. As you know, the podcast is entirely student-run and researched. And in this podcast, we tackle a variety of topics relating to cutting-edge research or controversies in the field of neuroscience, and our goal is really to take you past the headlines and make you think twice about mainstream media topics relating to the brain and human behavior. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate us and share us with all your friends and follow us on our social media. We really are on everything. If you look for us, you'll find us. Think Twice Podcast. On that note, let's move on to today's episode. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about chronic pain. More specifically, we'll be talking about fibromyalgia, a chronic pain condition which has long been considered a controversial diagnosis. We'll discuss what fibromyalgia really is, why it's been misdiagnosed or dismissed altogether, and what we can do to improve the diagnosis and treatment of this debilitating condition. Shima, from my understanding, chronic pain conditions are pretty common and I imagine pretty debilitating. We hear lots about migraines as a form of chronic pain, but what about fibromyalgia?
1: Why don't we hear about it as much? Chronic pain can be a tough thing to wrap your head around. Fibromyalgia is a condition that involves widespread pain and tenderness in the muscles and joints, as well as fatigue and sleeping difficulties. It affects over half a million Canadians and 4 million people in the US. But, like we will mention, this number is probably actually higher than we think, since some may have the condition without being diagnosed. So, compared to migraines, it's a bit different, as migraine is a type of headache that typically produces intense pulsing or dropping pain, frequently on one side of the head. So, this condition often comes with symptoms such as feeling nauseous, vomiting and experiencing extreme sensitivity to light and sounds. But migraine and fibromyalgia are just two types of chronic pain. There's also things like multiple sclerosis, arthritis and any other disorders that all share one dark um, unfortunate reality which is persistent and constant pain.
0: Yeah that sounds awful I can't imagine how difficult it must be to live with a disorder where you're constantly in pain like that not to mention there's very little information on how to explain it you know how to explain the pain that we're feeling and pain is a really subjective thing that can change a lot from person to person and depending on the circumstances the context etc so how exactly is it diagnosed?
1: Great question, Eve. Diagnosis is based on the presence of widespread pain for at least three months and pattern of symptoms consistent with fibromyalgia. Rather than solely relying on the tender point exam, so the tender points in FM tend to be symmetrical. They are located both above and below the waist, around the neck, chest, shoulders, hips, and knees. The tender point should cause pain in the exact area when the doctor, you know, presses on it. What's really unfortunate about FM is that some people, including some doctors, still doubt the existence of fibromyalgia because it can't be detected through traditional medical tests. There is still an overall lack of understanding and awareness surrounding fibromyalgia among some medical professionals. Since the condition cannot be definitely diagnosed through imaging tests or blood work, some doctors may view it as a catch-all diagnosis or dismiss it as poorly psychological condition.
0: Yeah, that's very unfortunate for a lot of disorders. Even today, we actually don't have biomarkers that we can rely on for diagnostics. You know, the diagnosis is based a lot around the symptoms that patients may have, along with the frequency of those symptoms and that kind of stuff. And for any kind of chronic disease, feeling like you as the patient aren't being taken seriously, that must feel completely disheartening you know how do you convince someone of the symptoms that you live with on a daily basis
1: to really make it clear how big of a problem this is in medicine i'm going to read an example from an online forum of an fm patient who is answering the question of why fibromyalgia isn't taken seriously it really highlights how debilitating the disorder can be and why the controversial nature of the diagnosis is a huge issue So I'm going to read that for you. It's not taken seriously for many reasons. They've been doing more and more research on it, but it's very complex. Some of the medical community claims it's a rheumatological issue like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. Some claim it's all in our brain and faulty nervous system. Some claim it's a virus like upstain bar. It's usually the last thing you diagnose with when they can't seem to find out what's wrong through many tests, x-rays, MRIs, and etc. The symptoms, the other comorbid illnesses and syndromes and the ever-changing way it affects each individual makes it difficult to treat and deal with. They try all sorts of drugs and trapeze but nothing fixes it forever. The symptoms of exhaustion. Fatigue, pain aren't something someone can see on the outside. We can get dressed and go somewhere and smile and be okay for a short time. And so people think we're just fine and that we're not as sick as we say. They don't know how hard it was to do that thing for a bit or how much it took out of us to do it. We can do something normal one day and then spend a week in bed, exhausted and in pain. Depression and anxiety are common with fibro because it works with the same part of the brain and chemicals. It is exacerbated by stress and physical activity and we are often told We aren't trying hard enough to push through it. No one can empathize and so that adds to the stress and difficulties because we're fighting this and no one believes what it is like for us. This is a big problem because we're we're so sick, we depend on others and sometimes can't work and function like everyone wants us to. So we're labeled as lazy or crazy. I've had to go on medical leave twice. The last time was divorce. I could barely function for over a year. I had to move back in with my parents after raising my own family and teaching for 20 years. I was treated like I was a burden, that I didn't try hard enough and that I needed to try all these things that others had heard about. It's different for each one of us. So what works for one won't work for another. The depression and anxiety add this other dimension to it and some would say the whole thing was just a mental disorder and that's wrong. We're battling lots of things at once. It's true that a lot of us start unraveling mentally when we are so sick and, and especially when we aren't treated with respect to know what our own reality is. And it becomes very isolating and scary. It's easy to lose hope with this illness and it's very hard to get the meds and everything right. Lots of appointments and trial and error. It's very hard to get on disability or to figure out how to afford all the medical bills and be too sick to work. Over 50% of people with fibromyalgia will try or will commit suicide. There needs to be more understanding out there. Support. No one would wish this syndrome on anyone. I read this from Just One Person Online Problem and this is just one example of how fibromyalgia Fibromyalgia can be impact someone's life. Research has shown that fibromyalgia is a real and complex disorder that can cause significant pain and impairment in daily life. It's important for doctors to take patients' symptoms seriously and provide appropriate treatment and support.
0: Yeah, that unfortunately is the case for a lot of disorders. You know, like we said before, we just don't have biomarkers in a lot of cases and have to rely on the symptoms that the patients describe and go from there. And it's obviously not an efficient way to do it. But until we have better diagnostic tools, that's really all we got. You know, you mentioned earlier the root cause of fibromyalgia remains unclear. But do we have any hints as to what
1: causes that pain exactly? Before we talk about the cause of chronic pain, let's take a step back and think about what pain actually is in the first place. You know, the official definition of pain is an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. Pain is always a personal experience that is influenced by different biological, psychological, and social factors. Nociception refers to the nervous systems encoding of these painful events. For example, touching a hot stove or accidentally cutting yourself. But one can experience pain with Without nociception and have nociception without pain pain does not equal nociception nociception is objective but pain is subjective and does not emerge only from activity in our neural cells so
0: just to put it briefly from my understanding nociception is the physical signaling of pain in our body but once paired with other psychological factors or the way that we experience it then it becomes pain
1: Yeah, you could think of it that way. Although pain usually serves an adaptive role, it may have adverse effect on function and on social and psychological well-being. So if there is pain without nociception, like in the case of pain conditions like fibromyalgia, then you're experiencing pain that does not serve to inform you for actual or potential harm. Therefore, it is maladaptive. Interesting.
0: So is that what's happening in chronic pain?
1: Yeah, it can be. Pain that resolves reasonably quickly is referred to as accurate pain, while pain that lasts a long time is called chronic or persistent pain. Chronic is most often defined as pain lasting longer than three to six months. So this type of pain can be the main or sole clinical problem in some patients, including those with fibromyalgia.
0: So in the case of fibromyalgia, then, what Mm -hmm. causes the body to experience this maladaptive pain without nociception?
1: Unfortunately, the exact cause of fibromyalgia is still a bit of mystery. It's believed to involve a complex interplay of genetic, environmental, and other factors at the level of the brain. There is evidence that people with fibromyalgia may have an increased sensitivity to pain, as well as changes in the way their brains process pain signals. Some studies have suggested that people with fibromyalgia may have altered levels of certain neurotransmitters, such as serotonin and dopamine, which are involved in processing of pain signals. Additionally, there may be changes in the structure and function of certain areas of the brain that are involved in the pain processing. However, more research is needed to fully understand the factors involved in fibromyalgia. They may also be and environmental factors that play a role in its development.
0: Those are a lot of theories. Can we dive a bit deeper into a few of them? Let's start maybe with our brain signaling molecules. So how are those neurotransmitters involved in fibromyalgia or
1: FM? So to go deeper, there are some neurotransmitters involved with fibromyalgia condition, which helps everyone to get to the better understanding of FM, Clinical researchers provide some evidence that the dysfunctional dopamine system contributes to the symptoms experienced by fibromyalgia patients. Dopamine is crucially involved for brain functions, such as pleasure, motivation, and motor control. And hence... An impaired dopaminergic system could contribute to the effective and motivational symptoms of fibromyalgia patients. Medications which target the dopamine system are actually effective in alleviating the pain of some patients.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because like we know, dopamine has so many effects in the brain and we typically think of it as a motivational neurotransmitter in substance use disorders and as more of a motor one in the case of, say, Parkinson's disease. And I suspect with those roles and all of the other roles that dopamine plays, you know, FM patients must have a bunch of other side effects that we don't even know about or other health issues related to the dopaminergic system.
1: For sure. Dopamine also plays an important role for cognitive functioning. This is interesting because many patients with fibromyalgia complains of problems with memory and concentration, often referred to as a fibrofog. Although some studies show that perceived memory deficits of fibromyalgia patients are greater than indicated by objective tests. There is clear evidence from neuropsychological testing that fibromyalgia patients do have deficits in cognitive functioning. Fibromyalgia patients perform below average in tests of both working memory and long-term memory.
0: Mm, Interesting. So we know that dopamine plays a role in FM symptoms, but what about the other neurotransmitters? Are there any others that are suspected to be involved?
1: Yeah, serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is involved in the regulation of mood, appetite and sleep, among other things. It has been suggested that low levels of serotonin may play a role in the development of fibromyalgia as well as in the chronic pain and other symptoms associated with the condition. One of the ways in which low levels of serotonin may contribute to fibromyalgia is by reducing the production of endorphins. Which are the natural pain relievers? Endorphins are released in response to pain and stress and they can help to reduce pain and promote feelings of well-being. However when serotonin levels are low, the body may produce fewer endorphins, which can lead to an increased sensitivity to pain and a lower pain threshold. Additionally, low levels of serotonin in the brain have been linked to the development of depression, which is a common comorbidity in patients with fibromyalgia.
0: That's interesting. So I think that for a good part, we covered the neurotransmitter hypothesis. What about the other factors? We talked about hormones earlier. Is that a factor that's commonly thought to be involved.
1: Yeah, some studies have suggested that lower levels of gross hormones may be connected to the causation of condition, although the precise relationship between the two is not fully understood.
0: So I guess that's like a lot of things in science, you know, we know that they're connected, but we just don't know how exactly. So... As you know, in my field of work, we're all big fans of genetics. And I was kind of hoping we could talk about the genetic factors that might be involved in fibromyalgia.
1: Sure. Research has shown that people with a family history of fibromyalgia or other chronic pain conditions may be more likely to develop the condition themselves. There is evidence that certain genetic variations may increase a person's susceptibility to fibromyalgia as well as other chronic pain conditions. For example, one study looked at genes that might cause fibromyalgia and found that genetic might be responsible for up to 50% of the disease. They also think that a mix of genes and environment might cause the disease by changing how certain genes work. Some genes that might be affected control how we deal with stress, repair DNA, and control our body functions. Different tissues might show different changes in how genes work. We need more research with bigger groups of people to confirm these ideas and find better ways to help people with fibromyalgia.
0: You talked a little about environmental factors. What kind of things are we referring to exactly here?
1: Yes, there are several environmental factors that may play a role in the development of fibromyalgia. For example, exposure to toxins such as heavy metals or pesticides may increase a person's risk for developing the condition. Additionally, physical or emotional trauma, such as car accident or post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, may trigger the onset of fibromyalgia symptoms in some people.
0: Okay, so there's genetic predispositions and environmental factors that come into play. It sounds like there's a lot of things that kind of come together. Anything else that can increase our risk of fibromyalgia or trigger it?
1: While anyone can develop fibromyalgia, there are certain risk factors that can increase a person's likelihood of developing the condition. Some of these includes being female, having a family history of fibromyalgia, experiencing physical or emotional trauma, and having certain other medical conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. Fibromyalgia is a complex condition with many of potential causes. It is believed to be triggered by physical or emotional stressors, but the exact cause is not fully understood.
0: Right. And I guess to follow up on that, is there anything that someone can do to, say, lower their risk of developing fibromyalgia? Or is it just kind of a matter of chance?
1: Unfortunately, there is no surefire way to prevent fibromyalgia since the causes of the condition are not fully understood. However, they are some lifestyle factors that may help reduce a person's risk or lessen the severity of symptoms if they do develop the condition. These include getting enough sleep, engaging in regular exercise, reducing stress, and eating a healthy balanced diet.
0: That's really interesting that Those recommendations are common to so many disorders, and yet many people really do have a hard time implementing them. And yes, I do include myself in that group of people. I definitely don't get enough sleep. And like most diseases, I guess, even though we have many theories, there's still a lot that we don't know about it. And I suspect since we don't know much, we don't have many avenues for treatments. Do we at least have like symptom
1: management therapeutics for fibromyalgia? Yes, while there is no cure for problem but there are lots of treatments available that can help manage the symptoms and improve quality of life. These can include things like medication, physical therapy, and lifestyle changes like exercise and stress management. One effective treatment of fibromyalgia is the use of antidepressants that raise brain levels of serotonin and norepinephrine. In addition, a combination of medication and non-medication therapies such as cognitive behavioral therapy and exercise can also be helpful in managing symptoms and improving quality of life for those with fibromyalgia. Also, stress management techniques and improve sleep, high gene can help too.
0: Mm. So you mentioned a word that I think most of our listeners are not very familiar with. Can you explain a little bit what cognitive behavioral therapy is for us? You know, it's a term we hear a lot in managing like primarily behavioral disorders but I don't know how it applies specifically in this context. Of course.
1: Cognitive behavioral therapy CBT has been found to be effective in the management of fibromyalgia. CBT is a type of talk therapy that helps individuals identify negative thought patterns and behaviors that maybe catch Building two day symptoms. It teaches coping skills and strategies to manage pain and improve quality of life. CBT has been shown to be effective in reducing pain, improving sleep, reducing depression, anxiety, and improving overall functioning in individuals with fibromyalgia. Like I said, this method is usually used in combination with exercise and other lifestyle methods.
0: Mm-hmm, that makes sense. It seems like a multifaceted approach is necessary to effectively manage FM symptoms. Are there any complementary or alternative therapies that have shown promise in managing FM?
1: There are several complementary and alternative therapies that may be helpful in managing fibromyalgia symptoms. These include acupuncture, massage therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, and relaxation techniques such as yoga and meditation. While these therapies may not work for everyone, they can be useful Addition to a comprehensive treatment plan. It is important to discuss any complementary or alternative therapies with your healthcare provider before trying them, as they may interact with other medications or health conditions.
0: Right, and that goes for the vast majority of other disorders, too, and medications that you're taking. Please let your healthcare provider know if you are doing any kind of alternative treatment aside from that. So now that we've discussed what FM is and what causes it and how it might be able to be treated, let's get back to the main problem of this diagnosis, you know, the fact that it is highly misdiagnosed and often questioned altogether by healthcare professionals. How can we... Overcome this problem in medicine, you know? People are obviously struggling and need help. Definitely.
1: I think the first step is to increase clinician education on what FME is and how it can be managed. Next, public awareness can really help a lot. Many people don't know what FME is or are afraid to speak about it, which just further leads to stigmatization. Finally, we need research to continue and we need more answers on what's causing FM exactly and how these mechanisms can be targeted with treatment methods.
0: And in the case of patients that feel like their symptoms are not being taken seriously, is there something that these patients can do if they suspect that they might have fibromyalgia?
1: Absolutely. Patients can take an active role in their own healthcare by educating themselves about fibromyalgia and its symptoms, keeping track of their own symptoms and any triggers, and communicating openly and honestly with their doctors. It can also be helpful to seek out a doctor which is knowledgeable and experienced in treating fibromyalgia or chronic pain conditions. Joining a support group or seeking therapy can also provide emotional support and coping strategies. Ultimately, it's important for patients to trust their own experiences and advocate for their own healthcare needs.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, for sure. And so as the field progresses, and we continue to improve clinical care on fibromyalgia, a big contributing factor in both of those facets will be research based. Is there promising new research that you expect will shed light on FM and contribute to it
1: being taken more seriously as a disorder? Definitely, and you're right that it's essential to continue the research in order to improve overall quality of life and treatment for these patients' population. New research focuses more on studying abnormalities in pain processing, which is also one of my main research focuses. For example, one reason for FM widespread pain could be that their brain and nervous system processes and interprets pain signals differently from people without the condition. This difference in pain processing could be due to some changes in the nervous system, and it could could be why people with fibromyalgia are more sensitive to pain. Another factor being investigated is the link between fibromyalgia and inflammation. Some research studies have shown that people with condition may have higher levels of inflammation in their bodies. Inflammation is a natural response by the immune system to protect the body from harmful stimuli like bacteria and viruses. But when it persists for a long time, it can cause damage to tissues and organs.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've heard about a neuroimmune hypothesis of chronic pain. Does this mean that autoimmune disorders could potentially contribute to the development of FM?
1: Yes, lupus is an autoimmune disease that can cause inflammation and damage in multiple organs and tissues throughout the body. And up to 30% of lupus patients may develop fibromyalgia as comorbidity. It is unclear why these conditions often happen together. But it is thought that the chronic pain and inflammation associated with lupus may contribute to the development of fibromyalgia symptoms. Also, there are types of inflammatory arthritis that primarily affects the spine, although other joints may also be involved. It can cause chronic pain and stiffness, which may contribute to the development of fibromyalgia symptoms. Rheumatoid arthritis is another type of inflammatory arthritis that can cause pain, swelling, and stiffness in affected joints, like lupus. It's unclear why rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia often happen together, but it's thought that the chronic inflammation and pain associated with rheumatoid arthritis may increase the risk of developing fibromyalgia.
0: That's fascinating. And I suspect that, you know, if the immune system is compromised, that might mean that those patients are more likely to have other infections. Is that something that we're seeing in
1: this case? Yep, you got it. Certain viral infections have even been linked to the development or worsening of fibromyalgia symptoms. For example, studies have shown that individuals with hepatitis C virus, HCV infection, are more likely to have fibromyalgia than those without HCV. Also, individuals with HIV have been found to have a higher incidence of fibromyalgia.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And do we know why this is? Or is that even an area of active investigation?
1: The exact mechanisms by which viral infection may contribute to the development of fibromyalgia is not yet fully understood. But it is thought to involve changes in the body immune system and inflammatory response. For example, some viruses may trigger an immune response that leads to chronic inflammation and pain, which may contribute to the development of fibromyalgia in susceptible individuals. Important to note, however, that not all individuals with viral infection will go on to develop fibromyalgia. And the relationship between viruses and fibromyalgia is likely to be complex and multifactorial. Ongoing research is aimed to better understanding the relationship between viral infections and fibromyalgia and identifying strategies for preventing and treating this condition in those who are at increased risk. Mm -hmm. Another area of ongoing research is related to sleep disturbances, which is a common symptom of fibromyalgia. With many patients reporting difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, as well as frequent awakenings, during the night. However, research has also suggested that the relationship between sleep disturbances and fibromyalgia may be bidirectional, with the sleep problems potentially contributing to the development or worsening of the condition. For example, studies have shown that disrupted sleeps can lead to changes in pain perception, including increased sensitivity to pain or a decreased pain threshold. Mm-hmm, and
0: I guess... When you're in pain, it's also a lot easier to pay attention to the pain and much harder to get some sleep. But what about the other way around? How does sleep influence pain exactly?
1: This may be due in part to changes in the body levels of various hormones and neurotransmitters, which can be affected by sleep disturbances. Additionally, disrupted sleep can lead to increased fatigue and decreased ability to cope with stress, which can further worsen fibromyalgia symptoms. While the precise relationship between sleep disturbances and fibromyalgia remains a subject of ongoing research, it is clear that the sleep plays an important role in development and management of this condition. Addressing sleep disturbances through interventions may be an important area of investigation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And are there any other interesting areas of FM research right now? Yeah, another
1: area that I think is really important is psychological trauma which has been identified as a potential risk factor for the development of FM. Studies have shown that individuals who have experienced traumatic events such as abuse, neglect, or combat exposure are more likely to develop FM than those who have not experienced such events.
0: Wow, that's crazy. But I guess it really does make sense since, you know, like we talked before, that there are emotional and psychological aspects to pain, and these aspects contribute to physical pain. Yeah,
1: one theory is that traumatic events may lead to changes in the body's stress response system, including alternation in levels of various hormones and neurotransmitters, which can in turn contribute to the development of FM. Additionally, psychological trauma can lead to the development of conditions like post-traumatic stress disorders, or as we know it, PTSD and depression which have also been associated with an increased risk of fibromyalgia it is worth noting however that not all individuals who experience psychological trauma go on to develop fm And the relationship between trauma and FM is complex and multifactorial. Ongoing research is aimed at better understanding the relationship between psychological trauma and fibromyalgia and identifying strategies for preventing and treating this condition in those who have experienced trauma.
0: Yeah, I imagine, you know, comorbidities worsen the burden of chronic pain a lot, and yeah. it makes sense if you're feeling pain constantly that it's just going to affect your mood. You know, we talked about depression a little bit earlier. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of mood symptoms we're seeing?
1: Sure. Depression is a common comorbidity with fibromyalgia, and can both contribute to and result from the condition. Many individuals with FM report feelings of depression, anxiety, and other mood disturbances, which may be related to changes in brain chemistry or the experience of chronic pain.
0: It seems like a highly complex disorders with so many things contributing to it and you know with all this evidence it's so hard to believe that some doctors or people in general still don't believe in FM as a legitimate diagnosis not to mention that so many people struggle with it around the world exactly
1: like we've discussed today there are many potential factors that may contribute to the development or a worsening of fibromyalgia symptoms and each case of FM may have a unique Combination of contributing factors, therefore, a through evaluation by a healthcare professional is important for individuals experiencing chronic pain or other symptoms that may be related to FM.
0: Mm, hopefully, we see improved care for fibromyalgia in the coming years as the research unfolds
1: exactly, I agree
0: so let 's close off with some rapid fire myths and facts about FM to have a little fun and you know summarize our
1: discussion about this topic today. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to go with some misses about fibromyalgia. Number one, fibromyalgia is all in your head. I mean, FM is a real medical condition and its symptoms are not imagined or exaggerated. The second one, fibromyalgia only affects older adults. That's absolutely wrong. FM can affect people of all ages, including children and young adults. Third one, fibromyalgia is caused by a single factor. Absolutely wrong. The exact cause of fibromyalgia is unknown and likely involved multiple genetic and environmental factor. Number four, fibromyalgia can be cured. There is no known cure for FM, but symptoms can be managed through a combination of medication, exercise, and other lifestyle changes as we already talked about. And there are some facts about FM that I would like to mention here. So, The first one is fibromyalgia is a real condition. Despite some early skepticism, fibromyalgia is a recognized medical condition and its symptoms are real. Number two, FM is not an autoimmune disorder. Unlike some other chronic pain conditions, FM is not autoimmune disorder. The exact cause of fibromyalgia is unknown, but it is believed to involve a combination of genetic and environmental factors. Number three, FM is more common in women. Actually, FM is more common in women than men. Yeah, that's true. With a female to male ratio of approximately 9 to 1. That's crazy. Yeah, but the thing is, there are not that much research related to that area. So we are not really sure about it. The last one is that exercise can help manage fibromyalgia symptoms. You know, while exercise may initially increase pain and fatigue in people with fibromyalgia, regular exercise can help improve overall symptoms over time.
0: Thank you for those quick myths and facts. That was very fun. And thank you you. for joining me today, Shima. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your knowledge of fibromyalgia. I really enjoyed our conversation today and I learned lots from it. And hopefully our listeners did too. So to our listeners, remember, sleep well, exercise often, try not to stress out too much and speak up about your symptoms if you're experiencing them and feel like you aren't being taken seriously. And on that note, thank you for tuning in to another episode of think twice thank you to the outreach program at the center for neuroscience studies at queen's university as you know see you next time